This morning there will be two readings. The first is Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Our second reading today is from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 40. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. This is God's word. Thank you both for reading. We'll do keep that passage in Luke 2 open. That's what we'll be considering. And let me add my welcome to Matt's. It's very good to have you with us if you're visiting, if this is your first time. You've joined us at the end of a little mini-series, if you like, in Luke chapters 1 and 2. And next week we return again to 2 Corinthians, our main book of the year so far. But this morning, Luke 2, verses 21 to 38, we'll consider together. Let me pray. 
as we begin. Our Father God, please would you open our eyes that we would see Jesus uh, in a fresh way and uh, to see what he means for us and who he is. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let me state up front uh, the big claim of this passage, the big point really of this passage, which is this, that Jesus ends the long wait of the world for redemption. I've put it there if you flick over the back of your service sheets at the top. Jesus ends the long wait of the world for redemption. That is, the world has been waiting for a rescue, for a redemption. It's been a long wait. It's been a long time coming. It's been long promised. And it has come in Jesus Christ. It has come. Now, that's the big claim. I stated up front just that if you perish the thought drift off or you're called out to crash, you know where we're going and what this passage is about. It means that Jesus has ended the long wait for redemption, and it's a very personal claim, as we'll see. In fact, it claims that Jesus has ended our long wait for redemption. But I state it up front, and I don't expect it to have a big impact on you yet, because you and I haven't seen what it means for us yet. To do that, I want us to do something a little bit different, to follow along with two people, Simeon and Anna. We're going to spend the rest of our time this morning Uh, being introduced to these two people, these two elderly believers, Simeon and Anna. And in a sense, just listen in to them, to what they say when they see Jesus, to look over their shoulder and to see if we see what they see. And so as we go, I want us to constantly, as it were, set our story beside theirs. And let me tell you specifically what we're to expect. So if you're a Christian person here this morning, what's in store for you, what you ought to leave with today is a really solid peace and joy and thanksgiving at what Jesus' coming means for you. That's what we ought to leave with today. We ought to be able to do that today. The kind of peace and joy that isn't snatched away by all kinds of difficult circumstances that many of us will be facing or will face. And uh, even if you've been uh, a believer for many years, and uh, perhaps it feels a lot harder than it used to to leave with a solid peace and joy when you hear about Jesus. Well, come and learn from Simeon and Anna. They're elderly believers. They've been believers for many years. Their lives are not straightforward. And yet they leave today with a solid joy and peace at the coming of Jesus Christ. They understand that he means something very significant for them that sets their hearts at rest. Now, if you uh, wouldn't call yourself a Christian, you're, you're very welcome. And in a sense, you get to do something Uh, a bit intriguing this morning. You are introduced to Jesus Christ through someone else's eyes. So let me encourage you to follow along with Simeon and Anna. And as they speak, and as you see what they see, uh, let me encourage you to ask, do you see Jesus this way? Uh, Do you think of Jesus this way? Do you understand why they see Jesus this way? Let me encourage you to do that if uh, you're not yet a Christian believer. Well, then, let's uh, come and uh, be introduced to Simeon and Anna. The passage divides neat, neatly enough. So uh, after the child Jesus, probably just over a month old, is brought into the temple to do uh, what is required under the law, we're introduced then verses 25 to 35, Simeon, and uh, verses 36 to 38, Anna. We'll spend a lot less time uh, following Anna. But before we look at each in turn, let me introduce them both together, because the lives of Simeon and Anna are actually really about the same thing. Their lives have been all about the same thing. Now, to meet Simeon, we need to go to the temple. So uh, let's come to the temple where we find him. We're told he's righteous 
and devout, verse 25. If you want to know what Israel is about, what Israel stands for, look at Simeon. And if you were to ask Simeon, what is your life about? He would say it's about one thing. Waiting. Waiting. That's all his life is about. Do you see it there in verse 25? He is waiting. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. His life is about waiting. His whole life has been about waiting. He's grown old waiting. He's no doubt an old man now. But he's still alive, and for as long as he's alive, his life is about waiting. He's waiting. Now then, look across the temple, and you'll see an elderly lady called Anna. Anna, she's 84 years old. She's in her mid-80s now. She's grown old waiting as well. Her life has been about waiting. We're introduced to her in verse 36, and we learn that her life has taken a bit of a different turn. So when she was a young woman, she got married, and after just seven years, her husband tragically died. So she was a young widow in in the time of that culture. She wouldn't have been too old to remarry, but she didn't. She remained a widow. And ever since then, her life has been about waiting, not for another husband, but for something very different. Her life became consumed with a different weight. It's a weight that keeps her in the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer, the sure sign of someone who's waiting, yearning, longing for God to do something, to intervene. So here are these two elderly believers, Simon and Anna, and they're waiting. And I haven't yet told us why we should care about their waiting, but we get a clue in verse 25. Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Verse 38, we discover that Anna has been waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. They're talking about the same things. They're talking about a rescue where God sets people free by the payment of a high price. Back uh, in May 1963, uh, a relatively young Nelson Mandela, he saw Robben Island for the first time. He arrived at the prison. And he didn't spend uh, all the succeeding decades there. But actually, by the time he left in February 1990, it had been a long wait. And he'd grown old in the meantime. He'd grown old waiting. But uh, in the interim, even though he'd arrived at Robben Island relatively unknown, he left famous. And when he came out, the wrinkles on his face, uh, the wrinkles on his face were the sign of a long wait. But they were clearly about more than just Nelson Mandela because his wait was more than just about Nelson Mandela's freedom. There's a sense in which he got so closely identified with the campaign to end apartheid that he stood for a whole nation's hopes. And we might say the same about Simeon and Anna. So we're told they're waiting for the redemption of Israel. This is about more than just Simeon and Anna. If you like, uh, the wrinkles on their face are the sign of a long wait, but they've been waiting on behalf of other people, on behalf of Israel. And as we'll see in a moment, they've been waiting on behalf of us. Now, with that in mind, let's come to verse 25. Let's see Simeon and take each in turn. Verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. This isn't uh, one of those dull watching of a, a video footage on a monitor, waiting to see if something will happen, watching someone waiting like Big Brother. This is actually, we're told, something is going to happen. It's significant. The Holy Spirit was upon him. It's Luke's way of saying something really significant is going to happen in or around Simeon. God is going to act. Keep watching him. Indeed, verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That is the Christ, God's promised king. 
He's a one thing before you die kind of man. He knows that the one thing that's going to happen really before he dies, the one thing he's been waiting for is that he's going to see the Christ. He's going to see in person God's king who will bring about this rescue. And of course, things are at fever pitch then in verse 27 when that very same spirit who's revealed this to him moves him to go into the temple. And we want to go with him because he's about to end the long wait of his life. And who is it, verse 27, that he sees? It is the child, Jesus. Verse 27, the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required. And Simeon takes the child in his arms. Verse 29, let's listen in to what he says. As he sees Jesus Christ, he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Dismiss has that double sense. It's quite poignant. He's an old man. It's a euphemism for his death. And it means dismiss in the sense of he's done his job as God's servant. And both are the same for him because his whole life has been about this one job, this one moment, seeing this one person. But I want us to keep looking over his shoulders and listen into what he says in verses 30 to 32, where we begin to see what his waiting means for us. Verse 30 to 32. Still looking at the child Jesus. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He's seen a baby, and yet he says that he's seen God's rescue. He's looked at the child Jesus, and he says that he's seen God's rescue. He's seen how God is going to rescue the world, how God is going to redeem people, and the one through whom he's going to do it. And he's seen Jesus. And I wonder, if do we see that? We're supposed to, verse 31. This salvation God has prepared in the sight of all nations. We had it read from Psalm 98. Who Jesus is and what he means is of public importance. It's of global significance. It matters for us because, verse 32, he is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. That's uh, the Bible's way of summing up the whole world, the Gentiles and the Jew. The whole world need to know about this Christ. He has come, in some sense, for the whole world. And at that point, let me pause and turn to us and consider what our response should be as we hear these words of Simeon. What does it mean for us? I encouraged us at the beginning to, as it were, set our story beside Simeon's, to see what this, this Christ, what these words mean for us. Well, what, uh, how do we do that? How do we do that with integrity? How do we say that actually Simeon's wait, well, we're waiting too, and Simeon's joy, that could be ours too. How can we actually do that? Well, I think the key is in that little phrase in verse 32, Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. Like everything in Simeon's life and in Simeon's words, this is an old promise. It comes from the book of Isaiah that the Christ, Jesus, will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now, I want to say a couple of things. The first is to clear up a, a bit of a myth which we may still have, which is, what is Israel all about? This passage, in case you noticed it, it's full of references to Israel. Everyone's obedient to the law. They're righteous and devout. We're told of their Israelite stock. They're from good stock. They're classic Israel. And we're told that this Christ who's coming, he'll be the consolation of Israel, the redemption of Jerusalem. 
We're told that he'll bring glory to Israel. And you begin to get the feeling that in the whole nativity play, the whole story of Christmas, the whole story of Christ, have we really just adopted somebody else's story? Maybe you get the sense when we uh, put on the nativity play in a school um, or perhaps at church, you, know, you get the sense from the props that this wasn't really meant to be set in the Western world. It wasn't really meant to be set in the UK when you know, you've got to dress people up in dressing gowns and that's as close as you can get to a shepherd. Um, so it all seems a little bit forced. We have donkeys walking across and so on. all seems a bit incongruous. And perhaps we think, in a sense, that we've adopted someone else's story. This was whatever it was. It was good news for Israel. But how so for us? Well, again, the key is in that phrase, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. The, the key is to realize that, that Israel was waiting on behalf of the whole world. Their job was to be a watchman. That was the role of Israel. And the reason they were waiting on behalf of the whole world was because the Christ they were waiting for was needed not just by Israel, but by the whole world. What the Christ brings is needed by the whole world. This light, it's not a helpful light. It's not a useful light. Light for revelation to the Gentiles means a saving kind of light. It's a rescue kind of light. It's the kind of light that shines in to show a prisoner the way out of a desperate, dark situation. It's that kind of light. And in the book of Isaiah, it specifically means a light that disperses the shadow of death. If you want proof that that everyone needs this Christ, the Old Testament would say everyone is under the shadow of death. If you want proof that we all live in a cursed and sinful world in which we need this Christ, Israel's Christ, Well, then this proves it. Now, it oughtn't to be a great leap for us then to be able to leave with the kind of joy that Simeon leaves with because we're waiting for the same thing. We need the same Christ. And so let me say simply that if we're honest enough to acknowledge that uh, there is terrible evil out there, of which we've seen great witness of this week, but also in here in our own hearts, well, then we can say that we've been waiting and yearning for the same thing Simeon has, and it has come in Jesus Christ. This redemption has come. If we know, if we've seen loved ones suffer and die, we know that actually death is not just a natural part of life, but it's an ugly blot on everyone's existence, and it's like a shadow. And we need to know that Jesus Christ is the redemption that we seek, that we've been looking for if we want to have hope of life beyond death. So actually, it's not a big leap for us to know what Simeon's waiting for. We need the same thing. And so we can leave today with the same solid relief and joy that the Christ who solves this problem, the Christ who pays for our sin and is guaranteed to remove all sin, well, he has come. He has come. And in that sense, the wait has ended. But I want us to think about our response for a moment longer. Because it could be that actually, if we were to leave now, if we were to stop now, and indeed if Simeon was to stop speaking now, we might leave and any joy, any peace would be quickly robbed by the events of the week. As we catch a glimpse of our own heart, as we catch a glimpse of news items, we might begin to think, is this redemption made of stern stuff? Is it up to redeeming people like us in a world like this? And so even though in some ways at first glance we wish Simeon had stopped there and hadn't kept talking, 
I think actually we're glad, we ought to be glad that he kept going. But verse 33, Simeon, it was going so well. After complimenting this child, saying wonderful things about this child, verse 33, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Well, of course they did. And if only Simeon had stopped, but he, kept, he keeps going. Simeon blessed them, and supposedly he's still blessing them when he says these words, though they sound far from a blessing. This child, and he's turning to Mary at this point, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too, Mary. Now, he's saying it rather cryptically, but he's saying very clearly as well that this Christ will not unite but divide. He will cause a great division. People will rise or they will fall depending on their response to him. He says that uh, Jesus Christ will be so opposed, Mary. Your child will grow up and be so hated and opposed by enemies. They will go against him so hard. And when they do, it will feel as if your own soul has been pierced by the sword they lift against him. It is, of course, fulfilled ultimately at the cross, where Jesus faces unimaginable evil, and Mary sees it with her own eyes. And yet this is the very thing that means the kind of peace and joy and praise at the redemption of Jesus Christ is a solid one. It's made of stern stuff. It can handle and deal with the kind of sin that's in our own hearts and that's in this world. It's fitted for this kind of world's needs. You see, the the cross is a bit like a mirror, and it needs explaining. If, If the redemption that God brings about requires a man to die on a cross to pay the highest price, God's own son, for our sin and the sin of the world, well, it's like a mirror as well. It shows us precisely what we need. And so, in a sense, if we're honest enough to acknowledge that this is the rescue we need and we crave and that this world needs, well, then we can leave with a joy and relief at his coming that no one can take away because there's no mystery any longer as to whether this will be dealt with, the evil of this world will be dealt with, and how it will be dealt with by Jesus Christ and the victory of the cross. But there's also a it's double-edged, because if we don't acknowledge that, if we say, well, I don't think Jesus' redemption is my greatest need. I don't think that's what I need or this world needs. I don't think that's what I want or this world wants. Well, then what is a saving light becomes a very searching light. Do you see that in verse 35? The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. You see, there's a question left hanging. If we won't acknowledge that Jesus' redemption is what we need, we need to explain why when God's king comes, he dies on a cross. Why when God's king comes to bring redemption, he's so hated that he's crucified. We need to explain that. But let me encourage that if we're honest enough to recognize that this is the one we need and want, well, then we can leave today with Simeon's joy. This is the Christ we need, and he has come. He's come. Well, much more briefly, um, for a few moments, let us turn to Anna in verses 36 to 38. 
verse 36. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She's from good Israelite stock. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. But it's verse 38 I want us to pause on as we close. Coming up to them, that is this probably rejoicing little family, and Simeon, coming up to them at this very moment, she gave thanks to God. The one that she'd been waiting for had come, and she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem, that is, waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. You see, there are others who are waiting. Simeon and Anna are not the only ones. There are others who know that they need this Christ. They, too, are waiting. And I want simply to say to us, that have we seen and do we know something which Anna learnt many years ago, which is that the redemption that Jesus brings is the thing worth waiting for. It's the greatest thing worth waiting for. She's waited for it for many, many years as a widow. As a lonely widow, she's worshipped and fasted, and it has been worth waiting for. She comes and she speaks to others who are waiting. And let me urge us to include ourselves in that number. And so I really want to urge us to see that redemption is a solid word. It's a weighty thing. To be set free at the payment of the high price of Jesus' death is a solid thing. It's bigger than the biggest things we want. It's bigger than the biggest things we fear. That's what Simon and Anna would say. Anna would say this is worth even a long, lonely widowhood that peels into insignificance compared to this Christ who has come. Simeon, he can even face the prospect of death now. It puts his impending death into a different perspective, knowing, having seen this Jesus. And so it is a weighty thing worth waiting for. And in a sense, I want to urge us that we can leave today with a solid joy and peace that he has come, that this redemption has come. And so as we close, let me say simply, go in peace and joy with a deep sense of relief. If you're prepared to acknowledge that you, like Simeon and Anna, stand in need of this Christ, if you know that you need the rescue of the kind that Jesus accomplished at the cross, well then, regardless of what we yet face, for Simeon and Anna's life was still far from straightforward, whatever we face, there is no mystery now that Jesus Christ has and can deal with our sin and the evil of the world. And so we can go in peace. So let us learn today that Simeon and Anna have shown us that the Lord Jesus Christ, he ends the long waits of Israel for redemption, the long wait of the world. And if we're honest enough to acknowledge it, he ends our long wait for redemption too. Let's pray together. Our Father God, we thank you for the image of Simeon and Anna growing old waiting. We thank you that your promises made long ago in the Old Testament have come true in Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is 
and provides full redemption for us. We thank you for his rescue accomplished at the cross. We acknowledge our need of it. And we pray that we might leave today with a sense of joy and peace at his coming that no one and nothing can take away. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.